It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's NewOrleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you texting or what the fuck are you actually doing there? No idea. Nothing. Okay. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans. And this is happy hour. A cocktail fueled 60 minutes. If I pick this up, I can see it a lot better. A random conversation with folks who have nothing in common other than we're all New Orleans in a bar. Today we're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street where they put fine dining into a sandwich, which means they take food that tastes good and they put it between two slices of bread. Homemade from scratch tastes good. It really is good. That's the yeah. voice of Andrew Duhon, my co-host, mm. and uh, Happy Hour Troubadour, back from uh, Mid-City. That's right. <laughs> nice to see you back from Mid-City. It's good to be good back to here. We be haven't back. been here for two weeks due to the, uh, th- the Thanksgiving holiday. That's right, yeah. That's a total waste of time, that Thanksgiving holiday, isn't it? I, Don't you think? And yeah. Glaviano is here with us as well. I'll tell you a little bit about her in a minute. Did you enjoy Thanksgiving, Anne, or was it just a total waste of time? Uh, you know, it's, it's not my favorite holiday. I was in we have two choices. Yeah. Enjoy it or total waste of time? It's a total waste total of time. Total waste of time. Thank <laughs> you. Where were you exactly? In Araby. My family's in Araby. In Araby. Yeah. For people who are living outside of New Orleans, where is that exactly? Uh, it is the thing that is kind of like a suburb directly east of the city limits. So like or- the lower Ninth Ward abuts. Uh, so how would you Ninth describe Ward. growing up in Araby? What kind of a... But I didn't. Blue collar? Or yeah, you didn't grow up? I didn't grow up in Araby. Your family moved I'm to Araby after you. N- no, wrong again. <laughs> okay. One more. P.H. Fred is here too, P.H. Fred. You want to have a guess about what the Araby story is? No. All right. What is it, Anne? Uh, my mother's family is from there, and my most of my family still lives there. She has seven siblings. So I grew up in Metairie. But Your mother has seven siblings. My mother has seven siblings. So they're all in St. Bernard, and I grew up in Metairie, which is not nearly as interesting. Any transgender among the seven siblings? Transgender, no, but half are divorced, which makes us like the, the national average. Right? <laughs> is, it, is it still fifty percent? Uh, I think it's actually decreased. I think I, I think marriage so is on the rise. Right. I thought that that the divorce rate has gone down too. I think yeah. probably the the age that people are getting married is getting older. Yeah. That yeah. probably would increase the. I actually just, I just together because you're going to die. Yeah, I just read an article that said that uh, in fact the people have not his the trend towards people getting married at an earlier age is is actually historic. People typically have have gotten married in like their late twenties or or you know that that the idea that like people used to get married when they were sixteen is actually unusual and it was kind of specific to royalty. So we're normal. Was it really? Mm-hmm. I thought it was specific to Mississippi and mm-hmm. Slidell no. and Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Right. That's well, right. that's that's North Louisiana or something, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? So most societies, people have got married later. Mm-hmm. But I thought we used to die when we were thirty something. Well, and that's why the divorce rate got so high. Because we started living longer. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's a good point. That's what I'm saying. If people get married later, the chance of getting divorced has decreased because, right. first of all, you know something more about who you're going to get along with, I guess. Yeah. But secondly, you're going to more likely to die before you get divorced. Exactly. Yeah. So really, we're just as the longer we live, the later we should marry. Right. And of the seven siblings, are there eight altogether, right? Eight altogether. So four of them are divorced. Mm-hmm. And what's the, what's the uniting factor about the other four that have stayed together? What can we learn from the other four siblings? Uh, Stick to itness. Yeah, but <laughs> what, is the, what is the sort of, is there an underlying no. quality? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Let's go through them alphabetically. Alcohol. No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually, I'm going, I'm going through the siblings in my head in, in Look order at the of age. the salad that you ordered here. Oh, oh my god. god, bring it on. Oh my god, that looks it's, incredible. What is that? It's a mountain. It's a mountain. <laughs> what is it though? It's a, a roasted beet salad with both red beets and golden beets. The waitress. Man, there's wow. enough for sure all of us. There, yes, right? and, and she said she usually gets it with chicken. And so I, I, so you got it with I took too. her advice. It okay. looks really good. Well, bring it over. Otherwise, you you never eat that no, just so, by yourself. So we'll help you out. I'm sorry that Miss Mick isn't here because she loves chicken. Now put it on the table. No, you can't put it on a chair for Christ's sake. That's cables. ridiculous. Yep, yep. No, that looks really good. Oh, we yeah. won't spit on it or anything. Yeah. We're going to need three more forks. Yes. Yeah. That's probably yeah. true, actually. What are we going to get for dessert? <laughs> Do they have good dessert here, Andrew? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. my God. They have a... I had a... What was it? It was pumpkin... I want to say pumpkin shot. No, how am I? I think pu- Grand Marnier <laughs> bread pudding. Well, how'd you get not, pumpkin out of that? Pumpkin. It's pumpkin. orange. It's oh, orange. I see. Right, so, I see. Okay. You're thinking right, bad. So All right. It's been a while, but I can tell you that I don't love Grand Marnier, but that it was the best thing I've ever had in my life. In your life, I have to tell you something though. <laughs> yeah. When I had it, I might have been high. <laughs> On what pot? Yeah. Um, well, that does increase the you know chance that you'd enjoy it a lot more than if you weren't, but still doesn't mean it wasn't any good. I've eaten tons of stuff no, on the fact, menu here. I wasn't fact, that high. I got it. I got it again as a takeout for scientific purposes to decide <laughs> whether okay. or not it was that. And, and, and I have no. Well, I did have it like an hour or two later, which you know desserts don't keep all that great. But yeah, I, I have was no it just reason. as good. Not just as good because it was two hours later. And he know. wasn't high. <laughs> so okay, yeah, so hey, and, hey, so you came here. You're high enough to order two desserts. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a different <laughs> Different day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you got it on the different day. So, But, but why, did you, why didn't you eat it here on the day you got it the second time? Uh, I, I think I had a Busy. dinner at home planned, and I wanted uh, to... Uh, have a dessert. Yeah, have oh, a dessert. Oh, that's a nice yeah. thing to do. Yeah. So it wasn't as good. It also, but thank God the No, pot. no, no. But not, not so not good that I would say that it, it wasn't the best thing I ever had, or it was the best thing I ever had, regardless of my state... Right. You know. Can you do you have any quality control over the weed that you're buying? Can you get that again that stuff? I don't actually I don't like I'm such a seldom smoker that right. I don't I don't really buy it, you know, like <laughs> travel around someone and, just gives it to you. Well, you know, you go to a lot of venues and you know, a musician. everybody. Yeah, if you're a musician, someone gives you, you Jeez, get PH3, you know? you're being a musician for a long time. Do people give you weed everywhere? No comment. That means yes, I suppose. So all we have to do is carry a guitar. And do you sing or play anything? Uh, <laughs> yes, but I haven't done it in public in a while. Um, my, my music affiliation at the moment is that I'm a DJ. So that's my... What sort of drugs do people give DJs? Um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't... They never give them to me. Never. <laughs> but I, I don't... That's interesting. I, 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 I honestly don't even... I don't even DJ that drunk. I mean, sometimes I do, but it's usually inadvertent. Drunk and DJ sounds but, fun. Well, it's it's a disaster. It's really it's like a, I can do it buzz, but as soon as it's like more than that, I, yeah. I play the wrong side, and the other side's always a ballad. The other side's yeah. uh, usually it's a CD you're playing, right? There's no song on the other side. No, well, no. <laughs> so what's the station and what's your handle? Oh no, it's a it's live. I mean, it's it's at a bar. Which bar? Oh, oh got it. Uh, cool. Twelve Mile Limit. Um, on the second Saturday of every month and Sydney Saloon on the fourth Saturday of every month and the party is called Heat Wave Dance Party. Heat Wave Dance Party. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have hey. a, a DJ name. It's just Ann Glaviano. <laughs> Ann Glaviano, I get, the DJ. I get you, a lot of flack for that. DJ Ann Glaviano. Yeah, DJ Ann, yeah, I know. It's kind of a terrible DJ name, but... Uh, 
Is it, it your real name? It is, in fact, my real name. <laughs> well, I guess it saves coming up with a brand, right? Like P.H. Fred's is real name, but I don't know. Yeah. I paid good money for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when, say that again, the... Every what? Every second Saturday in Mid City at Twelve Mile Limit. That and is really hard to figure that out. Every it's well, it's, it's so basically bi-weekly. Every other week, more or less. And I'm where can we go? I mean, I'm not going to be able to remember that in five minutes. Where would mm. I go to look that up? Is uh, there anglaviano.com? Well, there, in fact, there is. <laughs> there is a n n with no e on mm-hmm. the end of. Yeah. Glaviano. Yes. Glaviano.com okay. and also Facebook.com/slash Heatwave Nola is the okay. DJ page. Heatwave Nola was on Facebook. Are you going yeah. to eat some of this? It looks, you I have just, to please I just, eat some. Where's I, your f- is there any silverware here? Let's talk to P.H. Fred and pretend like we're not paying attention. Okay, all right. We'll I'm let you eat some salad. Okay. okay, now just listen to this because this is a very interesting story here. Pull that over there so you can... Oh, oh can I go back to the drug thing real quick? <laughs> sure. Yep. Musician offered drugs. Comedian offered better drugs. Mm. Greenpeace offered best drugs. Are you involved with the Greenpeace movement? I did that back in the 90s. They were getting like... Uh, Acapulco Gold, Oregon Bud, all the good stuff. It was like a Cheese and Chong movie with whales involved. It was the best time of my life. Yeah. Did you, you probably believe that you saved some whales even? It was that Hell no. Right? No. <laughs> Didn't believe any of that where, shit. Where was this? Chicago. Chicago? Yes. Well, where there's no fucking whales in Chicago, dude. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's a lake. It looks big, especially when you're fucked up on Acapulco Gold, but there exactly. is no whales in Lake. It's called Lake Erie, I believe, isn't yes. it? That's because right. I don't know if there's even fish in there. Are there? It's freezing. I'm, I'm certain cold. that there's fish. There's, what yes. were you doing with the, doing a Greenpeace m- movement? Like, was there a boat involved? No, no, no. It was, it was, it was very bizarre. We're raising money for the whales and all that stuff. But it was during the first Gulf War, so there were two types of people. There were the Republican types who go, "I'm watching the freaking war on TV. Go away, you hippie!" And they threaten to beat you up. And then there were the people who goes, "I like whales. You want some brownies? Come on in." <laughs> and they give you money, they give you weed, they give you brownies, they give you food. It was the best time of my life. Really? What were you doing and there, ostensibly? Other I was than I was pursuing my comedy career, and I did at Green Second Peace. City. Uh, no, more like Fifth Country <laughs> or something. <laughs> What were you? What were you doing? You had a routine, stand-up. Yeah, routine? I was. I was doing stand-up and musical comedy. Can stuff you remember then. how your routine started back then? What was no, that? Anyone horrible. here from out of town? Anything like that? Yeah, sometimes the kill time. Something like that. But the, the worst part about working at Greenpeace, because you know you don't have papers all the time. You they would make, rolling papers. They, they make can you, a, can you see me? I don't, no, I can't. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to get them to move in. I should have been smoking yeah, more a, weed yeah. than the glaucoma okay. wouldn't have taken my eye. <laughs> So, so anyway, you'd be done. You'd be standing in the alley outside of Greenpeace, and we didn't have an apple. We'd have a tin can, and you'd dent the hang tin on, can hang and on, make a bong. We didn't that. have an apple. No, we didn't have an apple. You What's know? an apple got to do with a tin oh, can? He was going to make a, a bong pipe out of it. Yeah, a bong a out of bo- an apple. An apple bong. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, it's I've like never just like a little. I just uh, <laughs> you just need a channel that's that's a ninety degree apple. angle, right? It's, but, you it's, know. It, I, I just I just sent uh, final edits on a novella to my publisher, and an apple bong is in it. Oh, that's quite an interesting sentence, which we're going to have to come back to. Can somebody who hasn't been smoking weed remember that? I just what finished the edits. I sent the edits on my novella. Or something so, like that. And there's so an apple bong in it. So, Novella. so we'd, use tin, we'd use aluminum cans instead. Yeah. And at the end, there was always some green peas, peace nick or whatever. Go, so who's bringing a can upstairs so we can recycle? <laughs> that always was like the big downer after that. 
It was like getting the rejection letter that they weren't going to publish my novella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got you those. sell it because wait, I can't, I'm so paranoid. No, no, don't thing. worry about that. We can turn your mic down while you have your sell it because we have to ask PH Fred. We have a lot of stories All to get right. out because right. last time this is about PH Fred. I don't know how many times he's been on the show. Three, four. He won't know either because he has absolutely no memory. Four, five. This is four. Four. Okay, so. This last time Fred was on the show was about, I don't know, was it six months ago? And it was possibly going to be the last day of his life because that day he <laughs> just he just got diagnosed, diagnosed with some sort of a, a tumor in his head mm. somewhere. Really? Between his brain and his eye or his nose or somewhere. In his Fred head. And he, and he yes. called and said, I can't do the show. And I'm like, you have to do it. Come on. You can't not do it. And then I showed up. So he up talked him into doing it. And, and he I showed up. And, and guess who's on the show with me, Graham? Exactly. We didn't know that. We don't know anything. We don't book the show. Graham DuPonte books the show. Okay, we, we still don't know who, who was on the show. Don't with you remember? No, who? No. He wasn't here. Paul Sanchez, you weren't here. No, I wasn't here. Okay, so tell him the story. Paul Sanchez was married to my wife. Wow. Not at the same time as me. <laughs> And we had never performed together, so that was very tense, and I thought I had 24 hours to live. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was quite an exciting show. That's you can find it if you search our website. Ever. It's neworleans.com oh for PH Fred. Oh, my God. I know. So Fred comes in here thinking this is the last day of his life, <laughs> and I'm thinking this could be pretty funny because we'll have the last interview, which has got to be worth something because when you hear what he's done, it's actually quite impressive. So I'm thinking, well, this has got to be worth something, this interview. Now, finally, you know, we can cash in on the show. And, uh, and then he sits down, and then there's, there's his... <laughs> I don't know. I guess what do you call someone who was married to the same person? My wife's ex-husband. Okay, my wife's ex-husband. There's not a word for that, like husband-in-law or something, mm. right? I, don't, I think wife's ex-husband. Anyway, so <laughs> so Fred goes from here from the show after that traumatic experience to a hospital. I guess some weeks later to find out whether or we're waiting for well, the results to, to find out whether it was benign or. So it ended up being benign, right? Yes. Thank goodness it for was that. Three inches by two inches, but benign. Whoa! Did did they take it out? Yes. Three inches by two. Do you inches. have a cool scar? Uh, no, but it I do have through, a cool T-shirt. It went up through <laughs> his nose. <laughs> really? That's like a trading card. <laughs> it is. That's a the same size as, as like, a, like a, a baseball card. Yeah. It's yeah. Like a Pokemon. Wow. Good point. <laughs> Collect them all. And and when you say three inches by two inches, that assumes it was two dimensional. What was the third? It was three dimensional. Di- so what was the third <laughs> dimension? He said it was the size of three fingers. Mm-hmm. So about that thick. Yeah, and where was it going from? From your brain behind no, your? No, it was it was in my it was in my sinuses underneath my eye, going back to my ear. Well, and, and at the time, so what had happened was, I don't you know, excuse me telling you this no, the story for the story, you, but you know, as I recall, you'd been to uh, you went to see a doctor because you'd been losing your memory. Right. I, People would come in the room and you didn't know who they were. Much the same thing happened this afternoon when, when you I arrived didn't here. Didn't know who Chris was who's, exactly, who's technically directed every single show that we've ever done here. But anyway, never, notwithstanding, he was not remembering who people were and didn't had memory problems and went to a neurologist to find out what was wrong and they said, you've got a giant growth in the back of your head. And that's what it turned out being to be... Yes. And what was the technical name of this it's, thing? It's a papilloma. Papilloma. Is it like a butterfly? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a papillon. <laughs> <laughs> it's the size of a monarch butterfly, I suppose. <laughs> that would be about... Butterfly. But it did look like Dustin Hoffman. Oh, so. yeah, there you go. Hmm. Looked like Dustin Hoffman. Papillon. Okay, so where is it today? <laughs> it's living in my backyard. Uh, Do you have it? Is it no, in a jar give, or something? No, they wouldn't give it to me. Why? I wanted, I wanted it. I bet you wanted it. Belong, it. It's part of you. I own that. Yeah, yeah what's the point? point? Don't you it. own it? Yeah. Do we have a lawyer on this? I'm going to call him right now. Call your lawyer. Okay. Yeah. Put him on. What, what, is that? what is going on with this phone of yours? I have no idea. You remember when you had that jar? This is a different phone. Yes. Last time you came on the show, you had a giant, like, tablet. You're making this shit up. No, I mean, they're making this stuff. <laughs> I'm not making that up at all. Anyway, so the bottom line is here, you're totally healthy now. 
There's uh, nothing wrong with you. I have other things ti- wrong. The time before you were on the show, you were supposed to be on the show, you had a heart attack. Yeah, close to it. And you were in hospital. In the hospital. And couldn't do the show because he had a heart attack. Well, it turned out not to be a heart attack. It, it turned was, out to be... I was just allergic to you. <laughs> what did it turn out to be that time? Uh, they said it was a combination of a pinched nerve causing the tingling in my arm, indigestion, which was causing the chest pains, and stress. <laughs> Go figure. And he's I can't only... imagine why you thought you were having a heart attack. <laughs> and, and my dad and my mom both had heart attacks. Well, no, so. uh, no, yeah, this is like you just went down the checklist of yeah, heart attack like, symptoms. That's why. And he's only got one eye. <laughs> Yeah, and I've only got one eye. He really does only have one eye. Which one do you think is a real eye? Let me see. Well, they're both it's real. It's 50-50. One of, them one of them doesn't work. <laughs> it's tough to say. They both I think seem it's this one because he can't... He's no, not this, this, this is the bad it's one. that one. Really? Okay. So the right one is good. The left right. one is bad. I went to high it's school with a girl who, who actually only had one... Or she had two eyes, but one of them was made out of glass. Mm. Yeah, Which, I, ha- I haven't gotten yeah. to the glass eye yeah, part. Okay. Which high school was it? No, uh, that was Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. Yeah. I, I okay. taught there once upon a Did time. You? Oh. And P.H. Fried is also the inventor of the Fredricator, mm-hmm. which is an ACT-enhancing test-taking app, app that's on your iPhone for only $4.99. You can increase your ACT It's an expensive score. app. <laughs> well, Compared to... <laughs> one, one, kid, one, one, one kid got a quarter-million-dollar scholarship because of that app, so <laughs> it's not an expensive app, trust me. It's $4.99 to increase your ACT score, almost guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Expensive. Are you kidding? Do you know what it costs to go to one of those ACT training courses? I tested Tell it. Tell well, Fred. <laughs> in between $1,500 and $2,500. In between $1,500 and $2,500. And if it's just $4.99, you too can increase your ACT I'm score. Not, I'm not getting nerds to endorse the product. That's expensive. <laughs> I can't believe how cheap that is. And it works is the funny part about it because he's a tutor as well. He's sort of a, sort of a genius. It's hard to tell. That. He's very nice. Kind. <laughs> and I pay him good money. There you go. Fred, what about playing us a song just to cement the whole story? Just to bring us full circle. Because oh, yeah. okay. he, also, he also has a band called Mr. Fred's Square Pegs. It's Round, round, round Pegs. And if, if I had this written down, it would be a lot easier. If it were Square Pegs, everything would everything be Everything would be fine, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, right. So Mr. Fred's, Mr. Fred plays in a band where he's the singer and everyone else was, in, was basically Lou Reed's band. Among other people. Yep. Among other people. But lots, of, lots of people. But he's a pretty impressive uh, guy all around when he's not in the locker. Okay, uh, this is a, this is a holiday song about fighting with the person you don't like anymore. Mm. I don't want to fight. Do this another night. I want to bicker with you. Bicker with you. Bicker with you. My heart beats quicker every time I bicker with you. I did you wrong. Bought you some flowers. I wrote you this song. Short of the matter, gone on too long. I don't want to bicker with you. Bicker with you.
can't do this again. You found Jesus. I found Zen. By any means necessary, like Malcolm 10. I want to bicker with you. Coming album, uh, what's the name of the new album? Uh, I don't know. Does that exist on a record somewhere? It's, it's that on one? the album you, were, you Are Unique in All the World, The Best of Mr. Fred. You Are Unique in All the World. Just came out on iTunes this week. Oh, really? Huh. really? Time for the Christmas. So you have a best of record. The best. I've been doing this since 1988. Well, I'm not <laughs> suggesting you shouldn't have a best of record. <laughs> yes, there's but a best there of is. that just came out. Yes. There's a best of PH Fred. Yes. Yes, there That's is. That's very impressive. Well, and you. what else is on there? All sorts of stuff. Emo, emo, that song you like. That song, I like that song you did that last time. So did you sit down and write down a list of words that rhyme with bicker, or did they just come to you? <laughs> they just came to me. I, I didn't I, even I use like a rhyming dictionary for them. Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have one. There is. You have that? <laughs> I have one on my phone. <laughs> and you ha- on the phone, you have an app for that? Yes, How yeah. much was that app? <laughs> no, that was free. <laughs> you You'll buy that you one. You see what I'm saying? Do you exactly. have a rhyming dictionary, Andrew? Uh, I, I don't have, I mean... Yeah, just Google rhyming dictionary and there's a rhyme. Yeah, I've I've had one for probably upwards of 13 years, like before apps were a thing. So it's when like was an my, actual book. It's a, it's book, a book yeah. on my actual. It's like book, a thesaurus. Uh-huh. And what? Uh, who would use a rhyming dictionary? A poet? What do you use it for? Eh? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm a writer. So you're a writer. Yeah, yeah. I know what I know all about you. You're a multidisciplinary artist. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you have many side houses. You're the grant writer for the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. That is, a, that is a true statement. So if it wasn't for you, there would be no Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra. Well, that's the people, where the, money who, comes the people who are just like here, I feel like giving you uh, five hundred thousand dollars. You know, they those those would still happen, but the grants, right. yeah. So. Where is the Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra? Other than Louisiana, is it here in New Orleans? Yeah, it's here. It's here. It's, uh, their office is on Common Street, and their home, their concert hall home, is the Orpheum. Um, they just returned to it 
in September when the Orphan reopened. But uh, yeah, so they're they're based here. They perform in Hammond, Slidell, Kenner, and the North Shore, Covington, Manorville. As Plus, well as all across Louisiana, I uh, No, no, actually. <laughs> New they Orleans and then the Greater New Orleans area. They only perform in the Greater New Orleans mm-hmm. area, but they're called the Louisiana Philharmonic. They used to be called the New Orleans Symphony Orchestra. Why aren't they called that? Because the New Orleans Symphony Orchestra just totally imploded. <laughs> what do you mean? Is that like a business problem? Uh, what, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I wasn't. That was in 1991, and I was around, but I was not a grant writer. I was like a... <laughs> <laughs> like a third grader. But why would they change the name of the? Isn't because it was be a some new legal reason. N- n- no, I mean it just completely f- it folded, and then the some of the musicians were like, "Well, we would like to still have a symphony," and so <laughs> and so they um, the the musicians themselves just started a new organization, and it's a total totally different governance model. It's really cool. It's musician musician owned and musician governed. Oh, okay. So who owned the other one? Um, I don't know, the <coughs> fat cats at the top. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so are you part of the organization? Um, I work uh, on a contract basis with them. Right. Um, mostly because I didn't I didn't want a full-time job. When I interviewed, they were looking for a full-time grant writer, and I was like, well, I would love to be your grant writer, but I, I would rather work for myself. And that's a full-time gig for somebody if oh, yeah. you wanted it. Yeah, yeah. You go to work every day. Five days a week for eight hours and beg for money, is basically. Uh, I used to, actually. I used to work on Oak Street for the Policy and Research Group, and I was a grant writer there. For the what? <coughs> policy and Research Group. Policy and Research mm-hmm. Group. It's an evaluation firm, but we did a lot of grant writing for nonprofits. What, for those of us who don't know what a grant looks like, what is it? It's a, oh. Is it a simple form? Oh, or are it, you it's, a, it's a form. It's very rarely simple. Uh, but are they all the same? Or no, they're, they're all different. They're all different, and it doesn't... Uh, oh, this could get really wonky. I don't know if you really want to get into. Yeah, yeah, we can always <laughs> stop you if the plot yeah, wears if off. It gets, if it gets really boring, yeah, right. No, it is. It's, it's get a mirror. That's what a grant looks like. Honestly, oh, there you go. Thank you. Honestly, it, there's that. It's basically filling out like a scholarship application, but f- for people who aren't in school, and <laughs> for varying sums of money from either individuals or family foundations or private, you know, corporate foundations or governments. So, what are people who are giving money away? They don't want any return on their money, right? They just want to have oh, their no, name no, attached they, to they it. They definitely want a return on it. They do? <laughs> and you have to, especially for arts funding, you have to justify like uh, how many how many lives do you save? <laughs> yeah, but hang on. What a, when I say return, I mean like an investor wants their money back and they want to make money. They, they, they want, want, well, they they want, want more want, money than they put no, in. They but these people, I thought a grant was they give it to you. They give it to you, you but walk you have away to, with it. No, you have to submit an evaluation report at the end that demonstrates uh, how much impact you're... Well, this the, is the why they have a, also someone like you who writes fiction, I assume, to write that. Thing. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, when I grew up, you can't see the air quotes I'm making, but... Uh, Meaning that, that you haven't grown. No, no. That, that my first gig was uh, at an evaluation firm. I, I have a lot of weird background in evaluation so I'm like always after the LPO crew to like beef up their evaluation but it's really hard for a performing arts organization they don't tend to have a lot of experience with evaluation or just like justifying why music is important you know what what would a good evaluation of the (laughs) A good use of five hundred thousand dollars for an orchestra be? I mean, people showed up to the gig, or uh, no? That would be that would be like that would be like bare minimum demonstrating impact, and that's what most or- arts organizations are familiar with. So it's just like, yeah, people showed up, we did our job. You uh, know, what else could you expect to happen? Outreach, crime yeah. has been reduced. <laughs> really? No, really. Really, I, I, crime. Write, I write that kind of bullshit too. Yep. So. 
Do you? What kind of bullshit do you write for? <laughs> it's it? cold fiction. <laughs> yeah, but who are you writing that for? When I when I I used to work for like Disney Little Tykes and all these things, and so when they put out a toy, they have to say how this educational toy is going to affect the outcome. Uh-huh. So they brought me in as an educator to say it's going to teach the kid these skills, uh-huh. and that's going to meet the California criteria for what a first grader should know or a second grader should know. And sometimes it's socialization. How do I can prove that a playing with Mickey okay. Mouse? Social emotional skill yeah. building. And music does that. Mm-hmm. And if you could prove that, that after going through a series of concerts, the Why violence in the school went down that year, or less kids got the t- that's yeah. yeah. I mean, Seriously, you, that's what they're looking for. It makes sense. You know, it, it takes a lot of imagination and creativity on a, on a part that's partly scientific or supposed to be, right? But, but you need somebody to, like, talk about what's the potential of this. You know, so yeah, it makes sense. You know, you want to you want to know about. It. You want to imagine that it has that kind of effect, and and you know, enact whatever you know my, you my, can to facilitate. My sense is that people who have have been immersed in the arts intuitively understand why it's meaningful and important, mm. and so artists tend to get frustrated that they have to justify it in mm. in like numerical terms when yeah. it's. Mm. I, mean, I would think that's almost impossible to do, other than making up it, some sort of a it's possible. correlation, like mm. you're talking about. It's, you, ha- you have to do it via correlation, hard. which is which is okay. But um, I is it true though? Well, I mean, there's. T- I mean, for example, the LPO has uh, a new music therapy program that they're doing for adults with developmental disabilities, and also at St. Michael's School. And um, the the benefits of music therapy on those populations is very well demonstrated. I mean, it really, in terms of. Um, building or maintaining like f- different kinds of functions it's it's totally effective what is music therapy is that not just listening to music that's um, you i mean there actually is there there's an organization i think it's in i think there's it's an orchestra in wisconsin called heartstrings they have a program called heartstrings and they do they literally just go to hospitals and play like a string quartet will play for right. sick people and that also has a demonstrated benefit on people's health. So yeah, but it's, it's I mean, that's just basic logic. I mean, that's why we all listen to music to make us of feel co- better. Of course. And so so I don't mind doing that kind of work because I think it's it's fun because there's something just deeply wrong with me that finds grant applications fun. I'm also a copy editor. I love copy editing. <clears throat> there's I just have a personality defect. But um, <laughs> You get a commission for every grant that you write that's successful? No. In fact, um, some people take commission, but it's by a lot of grant writers considered unethical because... Uh, mm. It's not really the funder's intention to pay for a grant writer, mm. um, it, and you, you don't tend to write the budget and say like also the grant. So it's it's kind of shady, and also I do the same work whether or not the grant gets funded. You know, my right. the, the the amount of work I put in has nothing to do with the size of the award. You know? Yeah, but <clears throat> maybe. But you're- well, maybe your quality is, you know, it's incentivized or something. People say it's incentivized, but it's <clears throat> I do I do the same work regardless. But don't you feel you better know. when you write a successful grant for a huge amount of money, and rather than get rejected? I, I feel better. I feel better in the long run, but uh, especially for an organization like a, I think the arts organizations in particular really live and die by five hundred dollar grants and thousand dollar grants, and it can yeah. feel like I mean the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts, they typically give out like ten thousand dollar challenge grants every year, and the amount of work you have to do for these federal grants is unbelievable like totally out of all proportion to the actual value of the money and then you have to to get the award you also have to come up with a a match so you have to come up with 10 grand on your own to get their Mm. 10 grand and Mm. do this insane amount of work and have these intense work samples it's like is it really ten thousand dollars guys do you really want it that bad well there's a lot of sentiment in congress i think on behalf of most of the american people or what is perceived to be 
that we don't want to be giving money away to the ballet and the orchestra and all this stuff. Well, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not really important, you know. Right, it's, it's not like, I mean, look at the amount of money we give to the Saints alone here in the state mm. and the Tom Benson's organization yeah. with the giant building they practically gave them downtown and the Superdome they rebuilt for them and all the various tax credits they get. I'm sure you would be, you'd be thrilled to get 10% of that money for the orchestra. What's, what's interesting is I have a, a dancer friend in Germany, so um, we don't have a, a state ballet. Um, we have Louisiana Philharmonic Orchestra, but in terms of professional dance in the state of Louisiana, there's no full-time professional dance company, not in New Orleans, not, not anywhere. Um, so the dancers, the, especially the, the ballet dancers who grow up here, they usually leave, leave the state by the age of 15, and they have to train... You know, I have, so this girl trained in Houston at the Houston Ballet School. <clears throat> now she dances professionally in Germany. She says she's going to stay in Germany for the rest of her professional career. She's basically like exiled because if she wants to work and have a pension and you know benefits, um, it's so hard to find that in in the states. And she says it's interesting because Germany is subdivided into I don't know how many like states within the country. Say they they have I'm just guessing like 12 states and there's like 67 state theaters. And she says that in her in her community, the public theater, I mean, it's funded by the citizens, and it's like their football team. Hmm. Like, they subscribe to their theater because it's theirs, and they feel a lot of pride in it. I feel like if we had any sense of, like, <laughs> the pride that New Orleanians have in the Saints towards, like, something like the orchestra or a ballet, we would be, <laughs> we'd be a lot better is off there in terms a reason, of arts funding. Is there a reason that ballet and classical music is more popular in Germany than it is here? I mean, people just don't go to the ballet here. They don't go Well, to I mean, what ballet would they go to? What, what ballet well, would they go suppose to? Well, suppose it would say the Symphony Orchestra. I mean, people just don't go to it. I mean, it's full yeah. when you do... I mean... The ones I've been to, they seem to be... It's it's a full house. What, at the work? There the, are plenty the of people going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't... I mean, we had we had a, a ballet, and in the 90s, it also... it also I guess around the same time that the, orchestra, the New Orleans Symphony Orchestra folded, the ballet folded... Um, so they just it never recovered <clears throat> I don't know I don't know <laughs> it makes me mad <laughs> does it? it does yes what do you think Fred is, why, is it, why is classical music not so popular in the United States? short attention span ah, I hate that argument <laughs> seriously for classical music or any sort of any sort of extended music I think audiences in the United States are short attention span mm. imagine the only thing somebody will sit three hours for is like the Avengers movie because you're blowing stuff up, well, but they, but they, but they will. Through. But they will. The football game, they will. And and if that because there's like violence. The, the most popular opera in, in, in Louisiana is is uh, what is the Samson and Delilah? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of it, he knocks down the temple. <laughs> <laughs> and I had people. When the guy, I believe it. When I, when I was going to Loyola, we had to go see. We, we go to cultural stuff. You go to the ballet. You yeah. go to the symphony and all that. And the guy who was like giving the talk beforehand, he's commented about this horrible status of ballet and, and opera, opera and all yeah. that in the United States right now. We and do, we do actually have opera. We do we, have opera, yes. We do have opera and we do have a, a, an orchestra. We just... Right. But not a ballet. Right. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. well, tons of people go to the opera too. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty well attended as well. Yeah. I do. I think that opera and I think also ballet benefit from the integration of the other art forms. So, I mean, you've got the, the trained dancers and that's the focus, but there's sets, you know, and there's music. Um, it's hugely expensive it's to put stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a and whole, it's a whole thing. Stuff, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Isn't it a very expensive thing to put on? 
Well, I can tell you that the the symphony, I mean, the the amount of money it takes to produce one concert just to pay 67 musicians and the musical director is is staggering. <laughs> well, how much is it? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know at the top of my head. Uh, I mean, is I don't it think, classified information? I don't what? think it's classified. I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but it is it is not it's not cheap. And it's funny. It, it's well, just one of those. How much is it? I really don't know off the top of my head, but it's more it's well, more than top of your head, how much more than a thousand dollars. More than a thousand dollars. I think it's more than ten thousand dollars. It's more than ten thousand. Sixty seven musicians. Is that how many there are? Sixty seven musicians and the musical director. The conductor. But are they getting paid per performance or are they on the payroll? They're on a payroll. So yeah. how often are they performing? <laughs> oh my god, they they perform constantly. They have Do they? Mm-hmm. I think they in some Between of the grand language. Hammond, Slidell, Kenner, yeah, Mandeville, and then they do education concerts. They do one. It really writing for them is like my dream grant writing job. I love grant writing because there's something wrong with me, and I am. What do you think it is? (laughs) Uh, uh, Araby. No, Metairie. I don't think Metairie. it's that. I think honest, Mount Carmel altogether. Well, and I didn't graduate from Mount Carmel. The triangulation of the thing. <laughs> Where did you graduate uh, from? The Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts. Um, what is that? It's a. <laughs> it is. Is a, it actually in Louisiana? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is a state-funded boarding school for nerds in Natchitoches. <laughs> a state-funded boarding school for nerds in Natchitoches. Uh-huh, yeah. Chris, oh yeah. Good point. Yeah. I have to do these sponsor messages. Oh, okay. Do hey, write that yeah. down. State-funded. If you just say novella, we can come back to it because that's what the novella is about. Oh, cool. Is it? Mm-hmm. What's it? Say that sentence again. State-funded. State-funded boarding school for nerds. In Natchitoches. In Natchitoches. State-funded boarding school for nerds in Natchitoches. With meat pies. For those of us who are not living in Louisiana, spell Natchitoches for the rest of the country. N-A- you have to spell like Natchitoches. Yeah, I can N-A-T-C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S. Oh, state-funded boarding school for nerds in Natchitoches. I think that could be the name of this today's show. <laughs> you guys think that? Okay, here we go. Uh, I want to say thank you to these people who made today's show possible. Today's show is brought to us by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a crazy schedule, the folks at Petite Pet Care will take care of your pet in his or her own home. You don't have to board them. For loving care when you're not there, you can go to petitepetcare.com and get hooked up. Thank you too to Basic Swim and Gym, a full range of fashion swimsuits, workout, and very cool yoga clothes with style. You can find that on Magazine Street near Jefferson Avenue if you get across the street. <laughs> also, thank you to Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. Oh, I can tell you it works. All of us here can attest to that. Go to the Hangover Destroyer website. It's called hdestroyer.com. Write happy hour in the coupon code and get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer so you too can seize the dawn. Thank you as well to unlistednola.com the revolutionary new way to buy a house in New Orleans. If you know what you're looking for, you can find your perfect match before it comes on the market. It's the match.com of real estate. It's unlistednola.com. Music today performed by the one and only Andrew Duhon. Alice's Restaurant. Not exactly. But kind sure, of. Sort of, yeah. It's that got last that, bit was vague. that one change and then the turnarounds, yeah. Nice. That's very nice. Did you write that or did you... No, that's uh, a made that up on the spot. That's a song, kind of a song called uh, "Traveling Man" by Roy Bookbinder. Oh, really? Well, the song's not by Roy Bookbinder, but that rendition of it. So, who took what from whom? Uh, Who wrote Alice's Restaurant? Alice's Restaurant. Alice's Restaurant. Alice's Restaurant. Fifty years ago. That's right. When they came out. Fifty years ago. Is it the only thing that you like about Thanksgiving? Was is Alice Guthrie's 
song, Alice's yeah. Restaurant. Well, I never even realized it is about Thanksgiving. It is too. totally about Thanksgiving. And yeah. he's, he's performing it. He's, he's doing it in Biloxi in January. In Biloxi? He's doing a 50-year tour. Well, like at Beau Revage? Where is he doing it? I think it's at like, the Beau Revage okay. or something. And he's performing Alice's Restaurant or he's just doing a show? It's, it's an anniversary show of Alice's, of Alice's Restaurant. Alice's restaurant. Oh, wow. So that's he, obviously going to be part of the show. He plays that song twice, takes a braid, plays it once more. <laughs> <laughs> That is a great song. I wonder what he was thinking when he came up with that idea. Uh, Man, that's like 25 minutes long or something. It's a story. Yeah. Such a great song. It's a good story. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Okay, so, um, Andrew, you want to play a song now, or should we just... Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah, I'll play you tune. Yeah. So, this... Uh, I'm going to put a little foot tambourine on it. Okay. At the On your foot? At the risk, yeah. Okay. At the risk of doing the... Dick Van you can do Dyke, that. With, Mary you can do that. With, I was going to say you do that without looking. That's very impressive. So, uh, you know, this is just a dessert. It's not an entree, but this is a uh, dessert was one of the best things you've ever eaten in your life. Don't oh, that's that. true. Yeah. Um, but this is a. Uh, so I was playing for a friend's wedding, and I wanted to write them a love song. So I had this idea for it, and I made up a song that I thought. You know, was all right for you know, good little gift, I suppose. But then I revisited it, and I, I had another idea for it, and so now it goes like this. Did you know there's about five thousand planes in the sky at any given time? There's a single-engine train pulling a, a train through the night. Things like this, all their life will blow my mind apart. Leave me feeling as scattered as a piece of million-dollar modern art. So many things I never wrap my head around. Leave a man filled with fear and doubt No matter how I try There's so many things I never wrap my head around But when I look into your eyes I know well, we got one thing figured out Did you know that hot water freezes faster than cold? Don't think about it too long You're liable to want to bury your head in the snow And if I say that an alarm goes off And an alarm goes on How does that mean the same damn thing? Unisex, two sexes, unicycle, one wheel It's embarrassing So many things I'll never know the first thing about Oh, uncertainty will fill a man with fear and doubt No matter how I try, there's so many things I'll never wrap my head around but When I look into your eyes, well, I know it We got one thing figured out Every day, another doubt, another chance to choose the wrong way to go. But any day, 
that you're around The weight of the world don't feel like a heavy load So many things I never know the first thing about Uncertainty Fill a man like me with fear and doubt No matter how I try So many things I'll never wrap my head around But when I look into your eyes Sweet dog I know I got one thing figured out Goodness. Okay, we got to get serious about the song now. <laughs> it, don't it, you think? You know what you got to do with that song? What's that? That's a country music hit. You think? Yes. Don't you think, you guys? Seriously. And I, feel, I feel like. So. All right. So here's 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 the thing. I was actually like hanging out with friends for a good two weeks, talking about. Okay, let's talk about things that you just can't figure out that like make you question your own reality. The only one that I came up with on my own was the water, water hot water. Why does hot water freeze cool. faster than cold? See, I'll give you the example, but then I'll draw you a graph and I'll confuse myself again. But <laughs> it doesn't make any logical sense. So, like sense. a pond, a pond doesn't freeze until the bottom of the pond is as cold as that top layer, right, or just underneath, right? So a pond is constant. Let's say a pond in the winter in Ontario, it's constantly rotating, right? You know, so the the cold water is falling to the bottom and the warmer to the top, right? So it's not going to freeze. The top, the top ice sheet is not going to freeze until the very bottom of it is almost as cold, right? I don't know if that's so we'll true start or not. There. It's, no, it's I'm just going to have to believe It's you. absolutely okay. true. So the, the only way that I can figure out the whole hot water freezing faster than cold is it's moving faster. Therefore, it's coming in contact. The surface is it, – it doesn't make any okay, sense well, to me. Well, the good news is the pH Fred is Can you – yeah, Fred. All right, so hot water rises, I mean, hot heat rises. Mm -hmm. All the water is going to be colder than 32 degrees, freezing, right? Yeah. So the stuff at the top is going to freeze quicker because it's closer to the air, and the air is the key to that thing. So the hot water is rising. Everything's below 32 degrees, but it's the cold water that's at 32 that hits the top first is the water that freezes down. Right, but why does the hot water freeze faster than cold? So if I Because you, you always freeze from the top down. It's what hits the oh, and it's and it's evaporating quicker because it's because it's uh, hotter. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because the hot water rises. Just take well, that part of the equation. Hot water itself, water is not rising. No, is but it? anything hot rises. Hot air rises. Hot water rises. Well, water is not rising in front of your eyes. Well, surely, it rises. It? it circulates. I see. Okay. It goes from the cold to the hot to the cold to the hot. Yeah, but I, I guess so, I still. But but what's at the top hits the air, and whatever water is 32 degrees that hits the air first is going to freeze first. I, it, so what, to me, it, it must mean that. The surface, whatever temperature, when hitting freezing, freezing temperature air, must almost instantaneously turn to Some 32 sort of degrees. Like, you know, it just, mm, I don't know. I, I hate it. Well, steam would, I suppose because it's less dense, steam would freeze quicker than water. Is that right, Fred? If it's 32 degrees, but it's not 32 degrees because it's you know, steam. You know what I heard? Right. It's really Good interesting. Point. Uh, there was a plane that, that went down over the ocean, and they figured out why, because um, there's, there, there is water vapor that is sub-zero, or sub-zero Celsius, I guess, sub-freezing uh, um, in the atmosphere, but it's so pure that it's not actually frozen crystal, and it needs impurity to freeze. So it's way below freezing in temperature, but because it's completely pure water, it's not frozen. And... Um, 
it took it took the plane moving through this air to offer the impurity necessary to make all the so Grant, do you understand all this crystal math? Oh, very good. <laughs> Actually, we should we should defer to you. You went to the math and Let's science school. Some more. I was an arts focus. Okay, you draw a picture. You went to you went to a math and science school and did arts. Well, it's math science, Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts. Oh, it's got the arts in it can as I, well. Okay. Can I give you the absolute worst one of these that I just couldn't fit into the song? Oh, What's that? I was really into the unisex unicycle. That Thank you. That was good. Happy. Thank you. That made me unisex laugh. is too. Yeah, that's really unisex good. Unicycle one. Bike. Bike. That's, that's funny. Really good. It's embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's okay. Good. Well, that's, so that's, what's, that's the what the song. Yeah. what's the example? Because we've got a okay. rhyming dictionary. Yeah, we look, can okay. get it in. So check this out. And okay. I, 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 I hate this more than the ice one. Um, okay. So you're on a game show, and you get three doors. Behind two doors is a goat. <laughs> Behind one door is a car. You are allowed to choose one door. Let's say we choose door one. Who cares? doesn't matter. Completely random. you got one in three chance, right? We all know this. You choose door number one. Next step of the game show is the host opens up one of the doors. Let's say he opens up door number two. It's goats. Hey, good news for you. Now you're down to 50-50, right? Um, so the host now gives you the option to change or stay with door number one. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> and this is, I, I hate this, uh, because, you know, to me, just like when you roll a dice, a die, a dice, a die. A die, singular. I, yeah, right. Um, you roll it 50 times, it comes up two, let's say, by some mystery of the universe you roll it the next time it's got just as much chance of coming up with a two as anyone right. you know that's yeah, i understand that problem right. okay yeah, yeah, right. so this the problem with this though is why isn't it 50 50 because apparently the thing that you're supposed to do in this scenario is change to the other door and then you have a two in three chance you are probable of getting the car it doesn't make any sense to me why isn't it 50 50 either way because it's still 30 percent because there mm-hmm. are three doors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's a 33% yeah, yeah. chance between each one. Yep. Once you take out one, yep. it's got to be the car has got to be behind one or the other. Yep. So, so it's then 50/50. it's got to be 50-50, right? That sounds logical, but, but what's wrong with our computation? Apparently, if you map it out uh, with all the possibilities involved, and you include, uh-huh, you know, you include like, you chose goats first time, or you chose car first time. If you map them all out, one and three, and two and three, etc., and you look at the staying where you are can, or changing. I can tell you the math right now. Yeah. All right, so you picked one out of three chances, right? So mm. you're, there's two-thirds left. Mm. You have a one out of two, so you multiply two-thirds by one-half, and that gives you one-third. Why? You, you multiply two-thirds times one-half the math. Two times one is two. Two times three is six. Why, do you, why do you multiply those? Because you're, you're, you're multiplying probability. your, the probabilities. You're multiplying okay. the remainders. Okay. ACT. Okay, and then, so if one-third is the chance that it's it, two-thirds is the chance that you're right, if you change your choice. Right. Isn't that, doesn't that wow. suck? Wow. Doesn't that suck? That was great. I would not be that's able the, to get I just had a kid help me through that. Pro- I've been doing this problem for 20 years. I had a kid 10 years ago showed me a drawing to do that picture. Mm-hmm. had a kid last week, does it in 10 seconds. Yeah. Wow. Shows us some sort of math. And <laughs> but she goes to Earth's So line can, you, can oh, you just yeah. say it very quickly again? So you're now down to two-thirds. So you've, you've, you've reversed your odds. Right, yeah. so you've removed one third, right, and amazing. now there's a two third chance of it. Amazing. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, does it's it help a game you? Show. Does it help you win the car, though? Two thirds chance, apparently. Yeah. So now I got to ask you, since this song is super new, and let's let's change this shit up. Anybody else got some like real mind bogglers to put in there? Oh man. And Claviano. I'll leave you with that for ten. I tell you what, I am telling you to do right now, though. That mm. is a country music hit, um, isn't it? Anybody Once, can have it. 
That's <laughs> you got to find a way you know, to sell that you know the, to some, get idea. that to somebody. I love like, there's I don't know like who adages. There's adages for songwriting like, like three chords and the truth and just like <laughs> cute things like that. But one of my favorite ones is uh, you got to write something clever or write something true. And I you know prefer to write something true, but that one's clever. So yeah, it's fucking. Or as or as Jim McCormick <laughs> said, write one word, get your third. And that's <laughs> right. Yeah. But that is really. I mean, that's got that sort of. It's catchy and it's kind of heartfelt and it's sweet mm-hmm. and it's kind of cornyish, you know, yeah. with the examples. You know, I, I do That's like country. it. I do like it because it's a love song, but it never really says love. And it does, I think it does touch on one part of something that I have felt in a healthy relationship, which is there's a lot of stresses going on. But when you, when you have someone around and you see eye to eye and you love each other, it really is like, I don't know anything else, but you and I, like, we We've got, got that this. one thing figured out. Yeah, yeah, we got this. Right. That's all we know. We got this down. Now, let's figure that's everything a great, else out. That's a great yeah. human And, and that's desire. a good country song, because the bad country songs always go the other way. Because mm. my worst country song I ever wrote was called, Now That I Got a Colostomy, No Need for an Asshole Like You. <laughs> Catchy line. But a better than that, I had a friend who was a DJ at TUL. She found out that her husband was cheating. While he was sleeping, she stabbed him in the back. True story. And said, don't roll over because I left the knife in. That's wow. a fucking country song. That's beautiful. Yep. Why did you have to add T-U-L? Or, and there's a, well, the, she, was a, she was a real person. That's a true the, story. We're not going to get sued now. Okay, that's a true story. <laughs> and, and he knew he was wrong, so he didn't even file a police report. Wow. That's amazing. That's but what kind of person stabs someone while they're asleep? <laughs> someone who's mad. <laughs> Shit, that's, I mean, that's a psychological problem right there. That's someone you wouldn't want to be with. Isn't it? I can see why the guy is cheating on it. Not that I know either of them, but really, the kind of person who's going to stab you while you're asleep, that's not somebody... So stick to the happy country frankly. song. But yeah. back to reality, that, that is a great song. Thanks, dude. What do you I, think? I like it as well. I'll give it to And what do you think? You're a, you're a writer. Uh, yeah, no, I think... I Who think would the, we the, get it to? Well, so it's interesting that you say that. So my dad, uh, my dad, when I was growing up, was a lawyer, and then he became an insurance salesman, and he still he sells insurance. He's an independent agent for... Oh, your phone is making I know, noises. It's definitely regal from out to lunch, Baton Rouge. Oh, right? It's funny, funny how there's this it. double standard where other people's phones rings and he makes you answer. Yeah, it but I can't. I can't talk to Stephanie. I honestly. Anyway. But uh, so so anyway, my but my dad when I was a kid, well, all the time when I was a kid, and, and now he's he's intensely creative. He's um, you know, he's always got a project going, and lately he he he's really into music. He wrote music when he was younger, and he has decided he's going to write like the next crossover country hit so he has all these connections in nashville <laughs> how did he so get you want any how did he get all the connections well I, I my sense is um that if you if you stick to it and you have enough people like enough money to pay people to give you feedback yeah <laughs> there's just a huge market for in in nashville for people who are like i'm gonna write the next great country hit and, well, and they're like i'm gonna help right. you you know what i mean right it's so. So um, is he is he writing songs? You he's he's writing songs and getting feedback on them. Um, without he has not written the next great crossover country hit, but uh, or maybe he has, but no one has purchased it. But if you we if just you don't wanna, know about it. Do you do you spend much time in Nashville? I'm doing. I'm trying to go every other month, maybe more like monthly soon. But uh, yeah, I'm starting to entertain or. or better yet explore uh the whole co-writing thing right and that's really at least my friends who have made it in nashville they usually do the two or three person co-write things mm. and that gets your foot in the door and then when you get the hit they want yeah. people start wanting you on that song yeah, yeah it's tough because i think that's like uh it's like making custom furniture when these people are probably sculptors if they were really honest with themselves you know they have a form that they could make themselves that would be their own but uh you know 
but yeah, but, I, I but, frown upon all you know, that. George Strait's about to come out with a record, and he's looking for a song about trucks. So, and it's kind of neat sometimes you know. to get the phone call. I'm having a record come out. Send me some songs. It's a good. I've had that happen a couple of times. Not mm. in Nashville because I don't write that crap. Mm. But I've had musicians <laughs> call me and say they need a song. So yeah. it's kind of flattering to ship well, songs and, off. And that's the thing. I really am into the idea of of bouncing these things off of people in real time. And I still am kind of selfish about what I'm trying to say and whether or not it's being. Uh, uh, swayed by other people, but I think I think lately I'm 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 uh, playing songs that aren't finished for songwriter colleagues more and more, and getting together with them, and uh, I th- that that's my favorite. That's the healthiest thing I think is is I got some eighty percent eighty percent finished tunes. You got some eighty percent finished tunes. I don't want any part of yours. You don't want any part of mine. Give let's us your feedback. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's that's let, nice. you know. I think that's great. You know, the co-writing thing has its merit. I think it's great to like. Mm-hmm. It's like having bumper lanes in bowling. You know, you're, you you got people to, you got two you know lanes to bounce it off of, and you're going to hit some pins. Right. You know, um, but um, but you know, I think I think everybody's got something to say, and and maybe one guy's heartbroken, one guy's in love, and that's a tough song to write. You know. There's a whole political thing in Nashville that you were talking about that you have to write with people who are already successful. Or yeah. can you just go there by yourself with a song? And no, for sure. Like once, this, once, uh, once you, you have to do this co-writing. Once you find some success, then it becomes, uh, you know, you got your foot in no door. It's just like shows, you know. You, right. If you get to a certain point where you can bring 100 people, then somebody wants to open for you. Okay, can you bring 20? You know, it's, right. it's that sort of thing. Hey, before we get out of here, Anne, tell us about your novella that you've just finished. Oh, I so about the high school. About my weird high school. So novellas are kind of a notoriously difficult form to publish, unless you're going to put them in a collection with a bunch of short stories, because they're an awkward length. Like right. the traditional outlet for short fiction, um, the first time around is a literary journal, like these journals that no one except other writers read, but they're very prestigious. Just trust me, you know, <laughs> and they pay you and contributor copies. So I have some of those publications um, of varying degrees of fancy. Uh, and I had a lot of people, including the first, the first short story I published is in a journal called Prairie Schooner. It's very fancy. I got paid in contributor copies. But I had sent them the novella, and they were like, this is great. Send us something that isn't a novella. And then they published the story that I sent them. So nice. I've been trying to publish the novella for a couple of years. Um, I uh, submitted it to novella contests. It didn't win. Anyway, my 15-year high school reunion is coming up, and I wanted it because it's about my high school, and it was... So the, the, the writing process was supported by the guys in the boys' dorm. I had emailed a bunch of them, and I was like, can you remind me of, like, gross memories <laughs> of living in the boys' dorm? So anyway, there's a lot of people who um, have their fingerprints in, in that story. So it's coming out with, um, it's like an Amazon Kindle single. Okay. Um, they have a publication called Day One that's sort of new. So it'll be, it's coming out in January. Um, well, can we buy it? Yeah, you at can Amazon? buy it. And it's, uh, it's what do we look for? It's, What's it called? It's called, <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Dick Beer. Dick Beer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. No. <laughs> I know where this is going. Is you, that one, you, you is that one, it's one word? word? It's one word, oh. Dick Beer. Dick Beer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jeez, well, of all the words yeah. in the English language you could have put together. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. Dick Beer. Dick Beer. There's also a, um, okay. a Spotify I, playlist. <laughs> That's what I've heard as it goes with the book. Because I'm a DJ and oh, I can't, I can't publish a novella without having an attending Soundtrack. playlist. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> someone's going to have to ask you. This is the first interview you've done for the book? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go then. This is like a real book interview. Now. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, okay. So, Anne, tell us, where did you get the title 
dick beer. Um, okay, so the real the real true story is there was a guy in our class um, who got the nickname Dick Beer because l- the story goes, uh, you know, we were high school students and, and Natchitoches doesn't have a lot going on and it's difficult. We, we didn't have cars. We couldn't drive around. It was just, you know, hard to access things. And if you wanted a beer, for example... Um, this guy, he went up to some, it's on the Northwestern State University campus, the high school is, and so he went up to some college students and he apparently offered to suck uh, someone's dick for a beer. <laughs> so. <laughs> not, not in the seriousness, did no, Well, I, we all, no one was really sure, but everyone called him Dick Beer for okay. the rest of eternity, so yeah. I have named my protagonist. Was it a microbrew? <laughs> no, no, this was sort of, dude, this was in like 1999. Okay, that's the line of the day, right? <laughs> okay. Maybe wow. it was a logger. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, oh, so boy, did, he ever, did he ever deny doing this? Dick? Oh, no, I mean, it, was, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a, there was no refuting it. Like, everyone just kind of accepted that this is what had happened, and he didn't really fight it, and everyone called him Dick Beer. <laughs> and what happened to Dick Beer? Um, I don't, I think he didn't graduate. Um, people hmm. got kicked out a lot. So anyway, the the guy. Well, what's his real name? Can He's we... a state representative. Yeah, really. I can't, y'all, I can't, David Vetter. I can't, right, yeah, <laughs> I can't remember his last name. His, I'm not going to tell you his we first name, but everyone. You everyone, don't remember his name. Uh, he didn't. I mean, you don't well, have to tell us his name. First, first of all, he really didn't. Don't. He didn't graduate with a. Secondly, everyone called him Dick Beer. Dick Beer. I don't remember. That his would last be name fantastic was. to find out yeah, what happened to a high school kid. Yeah, yeah. And that could be your documentary. Oh, people actually, actually finding Dick Beer. My, Brilliant. Well, okay, so in, in fact, um, when I, I posted on Facebook that this thing was coming out and all the kids from my high school are really excited about reading it, and um, one of them said, I heard that Dick Beer is actually, he, he joined some really intense Christian organization. and oh, he's got no, that. That So I said, I said the follow-up is, the follow-up is Dick Beer, uh, come to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sweet. So, yeah, no. Okay, now that's a great story to end on. <laughs> And, it, and the whole thing is called, what's the actual book called? It's just called Dick Beer. Dick Beer. Dick Beer, yeah. It's just called Dick Beer. Yeah. Dick Beer, why you can't beat that title. Yeah, why, um, it's, re- it's memorable. Why don't you uh, turn it into a novel instead of a novella it's and then you have, have an easier time? It's just because that's... Ha- not that's enough of a story. And friends in Hollywood, we can make a screen. Yeah, play. right. There you go. Well, that, that actually... And okay. a novella is a good length for, uh, for an good adaptation. We'll but Dick Beer, yeah. the movie, coming yeah. soon. Yeah. As he is uh, in the Christian field, perhaps it's changing water to Dick Beer. There you go. Oh, nice. <laughs> Who would play the part of Dick Beer, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I haven't. I Who's haven't the, how old would it be if a high school kid? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. really, Hollywood really 17. embraces movies like that where mm-hmm. the, the young protagonist oh, It's a coming of age story. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah really. <laughs> I can see the poster now. Uh-huh. Guy going down on some sort Wait, of the, a college the, kid. The best part is school, that they, they asked me. Did you uniform yeah, at that school? No, no, it was public school. But they, they asked us to, or the, they, they do cover art. And <laughs> so they asked me, like, what is your <laughs> yeah, idea no kidding. for yeah. the cover art? I was like, well, neither a dick nor beer. I couldn't give you that much. Wow, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got on to Dick Beer before we got a chance to get out of here. We do have to actually leave. But <laughs> Anne Claviano, thank you so Yay, much for joining thanks us. Thanks for and inviting me. Congratulations on finishing Dick Beer and getting it published. Yeah, thanks. So we can buy it at Amazon.com. At Amazon.com. Okay, we're going to do that. PH Fred, the best of album is called what? It's called uh, You're Unique in All the World. <laughs> You're Unique in All the World, and it's available on iTunes. Yes, as well as hard copies. And can we steal it on Spotify like we do with everything sure. else? Sure. We don't have to buy it, do we? Yeah. Okay, all Nobody right. ever buys That's my good stuff. to know. No, no, we don't want to buy it. But we can go see you. We can find out all about you at yes. phred.com. Sure. There's links to all the stuff on our website. It's neworms.com as well. That's the end of our show. On behalf of Andrew Duhon and I, thank you so much for uh, stopping by. Mm-hmm. I can tell you a little bit about who's responsible for the show, if you'd like. Our show is produced by the fabulous... 
Graham DePonte. It's associate produced and technically directed by Chris Kehoe. Our music director is Christian Unruh. Although our music guest didn't show up today, strangely enough. Could you believe it? I couldn't. Our theme music was written by and is being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, you can drop us a line. If you'd like, our address is on our website. It's neworleans.com. We can also hear many other happy hours, as well as some other shows we make here. Out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, live from Commander's Palace. True to the game with Chris True. Midnight menu plus one with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans. Ray Canada, Louisiana Eats with Poppy Took and Milo's Music Parlor. With Kim Vu and the revolutionary new way to buy a house. In New Orleans, it's called Unlisted NOLA. We also make shows in Lafayette and Baton Rouge as well. You can find them at itsbatonrouge.la and itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on Facebook and on Twitter and a bunch of other time-sucking social media. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and also on our Facebook and Google Plus pages. These photos are taken today by Michael Winters, who's right over there. If you're listening to this show on iTunes, oh, who's calling me now? Ah, somebody from, from Lafayette. I'll have to call them back. Who would that be, I wonder? You can find photos. Oh, did we do that about the show? Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, yeah, iTunes. If you listen to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, thank you for subscribing to us. Take a moment, if you can, to rate and review us. That helps other people find us, and you'd like that, wouldn't you? Our show is recorded live today at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, where they put fine dining into a sandwich, fine booze into a glass, and have a fine happy hour every day from 4 to 7, I think it is, and lunch. Sounds right. And brunch. Yep. On brunch the weekends. on the weekends is amazing. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworms.com. For Andrew Duhon, I'm Grant Morris. Thank you very much for joining us from everyone around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting. We'll see you back here next week for more Happy Hour.